I'm Mel, and you're listening to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. We are back. Uh, we are so excited to be back here and ready to chat about the trade and free agency series that's just finished up. Um, today, I'm joined by Will and Liam. How's it going, guys? G'day, everyone. G'day, everybody listening. How are you, Mel? I'm well. I'm a little cold after <laughs> sitting outside at the uh, at the game in shorts, which was probably an oversight, um, but I'm good. Uh, what about you two? I bet Will's feeling pretty stoked right now. Oh yeah, Geelong's finally won a game in the in the men's. But you know what? We're not talking about the men's today. We're talking about the women's because there's a lot of interesting things happening in the AFLW space at the moment. Absolutely. I will say it's conspicuous that we're talking about AFLW immediately after not wanting to talk about the performances of Fremantle in Geelong in the men's. Oh, what a surprise! The Bombers are in the top eight. Focus on, focus on what we're here for. Yep. Focus on what we're here yeah, of course. For, which is the women. That's what we care about. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, it's been a long off-season, or longer than last time at least. Um, mm. What have you guys been up to? Yeah, just uh, going about my business. I've, I've started playing football myself as well, which is good, down at uh, Q Bears. Shout out to Jess Berger at the Collingwood Football Club, uh, where you have also started playing football, Mel. Yes, go Bears. thought it's uh, probably about time to put my money where my mouth is and actually kick a footy myself. So 27 feels a little bit old to be starting my uh, my footy career, but it's a lot of fun. Um, uh, well, I uh, I went into a deep comatose state after the end of the AFLW fantasy season last year because I did so terribly. So <laughs> after I came out of that hibernation, I have been grinding on the AFLW content. I have launched fully into the men's stuff as well and actually trying to Pull my finger out a little bit there and uh, trying not to be as terrible as I was last year. Thinking about the lessons <laughs> that I've learned, some maybe Abby Dowry back, Abby Darrick based trades that I never want to think about again. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, they've stuck with me. They've stuck with me, guys. Well, good thing there's been a lot of interesting AFLW content happening recently for us to be focusing on and starting to get excited about the season. Um, we had priority signing period, trade period. Uh, Irish recruits. Now we're uh, just had the supplementary draft going into training starting soon for the preseason. Lots on. Very exciting. And just quickly, speaking of ins and outs, I think people will notice that we are missing Jono at the moment. Jono is uh, on an extended break, luckily, lucky for him. Uh, so he is uh, sitting out a fair bit of this season. We may see him later in the year, but for now he is a, an out in the in the podcast. Uh, so we will be continuing on with just the three of us for the time being. Yep, just got to put up with our three voices instead. Yeah, John, I definitely had the best podcast voice of the lot of us, I reckon. Speak for yourself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Liam, why don't you give us a rundown of what we're chatting to? We've obviously had the free agency and the priority signing period, and obviously well, a lot of what comes with that is some player movement that creates some new opportunities for fantasy scoring. We'll obviously cover in depth ones for each team, that, but what we're going to do today is each one of us is going to give a biggest winner from the period, a biggest loser, and then a biggest unknown. Could be for whatever reason, it could be an entire team, it could be a position in general. We've just kind of thrown it to everybody, and we're going to try and recap it today. 
Yeah, and in the interest of time, we're not going to go through every single trade that, that happened, even though every trade is interesting for their individual reasons. But we have put all of those up on our social media um, so you can see what has happened over the, the, period, the trade period. So head over to our social media to see all of the trade action as it happened. Yeah, I mean, we've got most of the trades, the fantasy relevant trades, uh, where we have an opinion on uh, if we think it's going up or down in terms of fantasy scoring opportunity coming into season eight. But uh, we didn't do every single trade. So if you've got something that you specifically want our opinion on, reach out to us. We always love to hear questions from uh, from the listeners. Cool. So biggest winners. How exciting. Let's start with some positives. Will, what are you thinking? Yeah, always good to start with positives. Uh, for me, one of the biggest winners out of this trade period was St Kilda. They were incredibly active this trade period. Uh, saw some some big outs, and I'll start on the outs because the ins are what makes them the big winners. Losing Tani White, good young midfielder, two key forwards in Shearlaw and Greiser, as well as some other depth players, but the ins are the ones that make them really interesting for me, and the two big ones are Jamie Lambert and Jesse Wardlaw, and those two players make any team better, and for me, those are the two that are incredibly interesting, not just from a, a St Kilda perspective, but from a fantasy perspective as well. Of those two, do you think there's a clear, more impact, more important fantasy choice? Because I'm I'm pretty certain that like Jesse Wardlaw is going to do exactly what Kate Shearlaw did. They scored almost equal points last year. I think that is as much of a muchness for fantasy. But surely we reckon Lambert is, you know, a massive potential rise. Yeah, correct. And I I think Lambert's a player that I'd definitely be interested in looking at from a fantasy perspective. Had a bit of a down year last season due to injury concerns but back at full fitness for St Kilda will basically walk straight into that midfield and could be a really really good option did you even have her on your team for a period last season I had her I think in season six Mm, not season seven but the reason I actually mentioned Jessie Wardlaw is because I think that you're right Liam she will probably just continue to do what she does score probably similar, but I think it presents options for another St Kilda uh, player who came in, which is Nat Plain coming in from Carlton. Didn't mm. really do a whole lot in terms of fantasy scoring at Carlton, but if she gets the role as that second tall forward, all of the defensive pressure is going to be going to Wardlaw. Might give her an opportunity to be someone that might be a cheaper option that you could go for in the forward line. And she did. She has scored a hundred before in the VFLW. Up against Casey last year as well, so there is some mm. there is some scoring potential there. I get what you mean. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things is Wardlaw makes the team better, and it makes other players around her better. Yeah, interesting, and that means that if we see anything happen to her injury wise or whatnot, yeah, could have a flow on effects for sure. Speaking of forwards, Mel, I believe that you have another team's forward line, particularly one that may have used to involve Jesse Wardlaw as your biggest winner. Yeah, so I reckon Brisbane forwards can be some good opportunity. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go, but with Bodie out and Wardlaw out, it means that um, they're going to be having to fill that kind of forward role that's going to be beneficial for us as well from a fantasy perspective, I imagine, given that Bodie was uh, one to have last season. So we know there's points up for grabs there. Looking at who's left, to me, like Sophie Conway or Courtney Hodder make the most sense. But we've also seen having, uh, we also saw Dakota Davidson have some really high ceilings last season. So it makes me wonder if, I'm not sure which out of them or how evenly uh, some of the opportunities might be shared. But also like Hodder had a really big week in round five last season when Wardlaw was out. So I kind of went to go see kind of where where did the points disperse. And unfortunately, I didn't have the breakdown saved of um, points across the lines. But big week for Hodder. So I'm thinking that maybe there's potential that she can 
step into that role a little bit more. What do you guys think about this? It kind of bleeds into something we're going to discuss later, which is the unknown of their midfield. It might be that the points on offer in their forward line it could also come from players that are midfielders. So I think Sophie Conway is one that could really benefit from the midfield thing we're talking about. Should be listed as a forward again, but she could both be a good forward option, but also a midfield option. Yeah, that just makes me think of the point as well, is that, um, you know, at time of recording, the, there's some uncertainty around the timings and whatnot um, of AFLW. But also when we think about it from a fantasy perspective, where these players can be listed, because if they're listed as a mid, um, like some of the names that were mentioned, it almost doesn't really have the same impact as if they're like a Sophie Conway that's going to be listed as a forward. Yeah, it should be noted that for all your listeners out there who are taking this from a fantasy perspective, we are purely speculating on positions at this stage. I thought you were just going to say we're purely speculating, and I was like, I mean, we are. What we always we do? are, but the positions in particular are something that normally we have a bit more concrete information on, which we don't have at this stage of the year. <laughs> Yep, yep. Um, and so, Liam, who have you got? I think my biggest win is pretty easy, and that's the Sydney midfielders. I think they have recruited their ins better than probably any other club in the comp. Now, that might be because they have more spots to fill. They've got like three or four additional list spots. But the players they're going to add to their midfield this year, I'm really excited about what they can do from, for fantasy. They've brought in Chloe Malloy, Laura Gardner, and Lucy McAvoy. And they all bring their own unique value for fantasy. I'm going to start the one that I'm most excited about, and that's Laura Gardner. She's priced going to be priced at 45. She was a midfielder-ish kind of winger, half forward at Geelong. Has actually gone down in terms of the points she scored every year for in her three years. But when she gets midfield time in the VFLW, she averaged. In 2022, 116 with 35 touches. Across her 22 or 23 game career in the VFLW, she has averaged 103 points, including when she was an 18-year-old. She has an elite fantasy game. In one game against Port Melbourne, she had 49 touches and 151 points. I don't care that it's in the VFLW. It is hard to do in that amount of time. I am fascinated Mm. by what she could do at Sydney. Will? I I hated that she was stuck behind so many good midfielders at Geelong because watching her in the VFLW for Geelong just made me think she's been wasted here. And if Sydney, their, you know, match selection, match committee has any brains to them, they will look at her and say straight into that centre bounce combination. You say that, but... But (laughs) Sydney in particular. (laughs) Sydney had 10 players. Average more than 25% CBAs in games that they played. 10. When I look at them on DFS Australia, they're the only team in the AFLW where I have to scroll (laughs) down to see all of their CBA attendees. And then there are also players who were midfielders at VFLW level, got recruited to Sydney, and were full-time halfbacks. I'm looking at you, Ella Heads, and I'm looking at you, Molly Eastman. I have no idea what Sydney's going to do. So maybe it's... I could have put this in the unknown category, but like... Laura Gardner particularly was just like such a slam dunk potential winner that I couldn't I couldn't not mm. talk about her. The next one you then move to is Lucy McAvoy. She's priced at 52, but inside those scores, there's an injury affected eight points. So if you remove that, the average I think is like 57.1, 57.2. But that was in a side with other potentially intercepting defenders. 
We've seen that Sydney has lost the 47-48 points that Molly Eastman scored last year. The ball sat in their defence a lot, to be kind. I think that what Lucy McAvoy can do, she has a ceiling as an intercepting defender, unlike kind of most other... Like, anyone outside of the top six doesn't really do it. I think that she has that potential. She scored 100 against Collingwood last year. She had a couple of other scores above 70 during the year. Admittedly, her scoring fluctuated, but I think that kind of spoke to the time she had to play a lockdown role because there were other potential interceptors. She is going to go in as the most experienced defender, admittedly not particularly old, but in terms of game played, far outweighs anyone in that defense at Sydney. I think she is in line as a potential First time DC, like first time top six defender entered. And I think that's the thing with McAvoy is it doesn't really matter as long as she's playing either that defensive role or if she gets in the midfield, both of them are, are good options. So yeah, I'm I'm quite excited by that. And I I wonder, Mel, are you gonna go back to Lucy McAvoy? Is this the what the third <laughs> third potential Look, season? Bro, I remember saying after season one, you know, you brand me once, you're not in my team the next year no matter what. Oh wait. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Um, so look, maybe, maybe you've set her up. I was just sitting here listening, being like, "Yeah, she does sound like a good fantasy player." So. <laughs> you just, just get the fishing rod out, Lucy McAvoy, just reeling in Mel. So the final one that I need to speak about is Chloe Malloy. I think she is going to be, pro- she's going to be the most expensive of all of them, and she might have the most the biggest dichotomy on her total upside because she has increased her average each of the last two years at Collingwood. She kind of went from forty one point five injury affected season five, took that to a fifty where she was splitting maybe fifty fifty midfield forward in season six and then in season seven she upped her point scoring to the high sixties um on sixty three percent CBAs, which was the second most at Collingwood. Now, from what we've seen and what we've kind of had responded to some of our Instagram posts, it sounds like she's gone to Sydney to be a midfielder. I'd be really interested to see what she can ultimately do with the only caveat here being that the highest scoring mid last year at Sydney was Montana Ham, and that wasn't above 65. So what her ceiling could be when she doesn't really get to like dunk on people, it'll be interesting to see. Mel? Yeah, it's interesting that we're kind of coming back around to this because when we were thinking about the trades in order and their fantasy impact when we're kind of doing it for our socials, um, Chloe Willow was up first, but we put her as like a, a lower um, fantasy scoring opportunity going into this season um, because she may be playing uh, midfield time, maybe not, but also it's Sydney and they kind of suck. Are you are you feeling like that's changed? No, it's it's the reason I've mentioned her is you kind of can't talk about the options in Sydney's midfield without talking about Chloe Malloy. But you bring me on to the, the final point, which is I think that the whole team gets better and so they get dunked on less. Mm. Like I think the fact that someone like Lawrence Getty, who looked great as a contested ball winning kind of only midfielder without the kind of run and spread, if she becomes your third or fourth midfielder, I think that's yeah. a much better balance and you're much less likely to just get 50, 60 points, inability to get the ball. And the extreme rotations they were going through surely affected their degree to have a cohesive midfield group. So I think that Chloe Malloy clearly has the lowest potential, but I couldn't talk about Sydney without talking about her. Yeah. So we might be hearing less about Touch of Mice Spaghetti. Touch of Mice Spaghetti. Touch of Mice Spaghetti. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I, I agree with Malloy in that it's, it's going to be hard to judge because if she's stuck up forward for Sydney, mm. then that's not a desirable spot to be. Though we have got a little bit of inside word suggesting that, as you say, Liam, she is there to be a midfielder. But that's actually one of my biggest concerns, which is even if she does increase that average to, you know, high 60s, my worry is that she is listed as a midfielder. Mm. Mm-hmm. That changes things completely because if she's a forward, really not a bad option. If she's a midfielder, I'm not sure you're going to be able to get the value there. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also think there will be some fascinating forward options this year. Mm. So I'm I'm not 100% sold on her, but I still think there is some potential she could go a little bit higher because she will be... The, you know, the most explosive and, like, exciting of the midfielders, they're probably going to roll out yeah, in round one. Yeah, I agree. And and to me, if McAvoy and Gardner are obvious, probably wins, I suppose, as we're calling them, I think you're right. Molloy is that unknown. Could have mm. a really fantastic fantasy season. Could get stuck in a forward pocket where the ball doesn't end up. Well, while we're talking about unknowns in the winners section, let's move on to a third section, biggest losers. <laughs> Will, let's yeah. start with you. I'm going to keep the the Sydney flavour going, and I'm going to talk about someone who you mentioned previously, Liam, which is Molly Eastman. Um, She was a must-have to start Season 7, started on absolute fire, was a must-have rookie, Mm -hmm. uh, but sort of tailed off as the season went on, which means that she's going to go into our next fantasy season not in a nice price bracket. Yeah. And she's also joining a team with a pretty strong, settled lineup, not just a, a strong backline which she might struggle to break into but she also can't really fall back into that midfield because they've got a strong midfield as well Richmond so she'll probably get game time yes but whether she's able to get enough significant points scoring game time I'm a bit iffy on that I remember sort of frantic like everyone's bringing her in and then ah how many weeks can we afford to keep holding her as she just Mm. slowly loses money um so yeah her scoring trajectory from season seven and how that'll impact her price in season eight is definitely um, something to stay away from. Speaking of biggest losers, I think, uh, Mel, you're keeping the Richmond flavour going here. Yeah, we're just building off each other here. Um, so my biggest loser, I've got Richmond forwards. So it was kind of an emotional roller coaster watching all of this unfold. First it was Wakefield's retiring. Ooh, who's going to take that forward spot? Who could it be? That's going to be exciting to watch from a fantasy perspective or at least a goal-scoring perspective as I somewhat support Richmond and the women's. Um, and then they got in Cody Jacks and, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Maddie Brancatasano. Brancatasano. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. There you go. Maddie Brancatasano. Well. I love the fact that you said you were going to butcher Maddie Brancatasano, but then you butchered Cody Jacks <laughs> immediately before by calling her Cody Jacks. Look, I bring the numbers <laughs> and you guys bring the words. <laughs> Pre-season, guys, we build into it. We yep. build into it. Um, also, you also said that they both came to the club, which is... They both left. <laughs> you know what? We're going to start this. Again. No, this is good content. <laughs> oh, it was Cody Jumping Jacks back at Richmond. It was, it was good when... It was good till Mel said, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, we can keep uh, it in. I'm just... I'm gonna start say. that bit again. Start that bit again. This is brand new information for you. So <laughs> it was exciting when Wakefield left. Um, and then <laughs> Cody Jacks, Jacques, Cody Jacks, <laughs> and Maddie Grand Catasano. Hey. 
also leave. Uh, and so now there's a lot of forward potential. And then we get Caitlin Griser in and we're thinking, oh, yeah, she'll, t- she'll take the spots. Great goal scorer over the Saints. Um, but then we also get Courtney Jones in from the Gold Coast. And so now I was thinking maybe maybe they'll share the points between them. Um, and then I know the, the draftees that they get aren't always going to be, you know, big guns from the get-go, but they've also drafted a forward and it's getting a little bit confusing who's going to take those points or what their plan is here. You've also kind of got Ellie McKenzie running through there. Um, Lady, uh staying on. KB, is she is she going to be back full time? Yeah, you'd assume so. Should, Should be. be. So you've got a lot of talent on one line or near one line. And I think that the reason why, although lots of talent is fantastic for Richmond, um, from a fantasy perspective, I think it might starting start to get a bit stifled or a bit blurred as there's not necessarily going to be one main breakaway that's going to take a lot of the points necessarily. What do you guys think about that? I am interested yet again in Katie Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> for the third year running. Uh, I think that her ability amongst all of those forwards to get up higher up the ground is really what she can do. And that impacts her scoring the most. Like we don't often see high scoring forwards, but the ones that we do are the ones that make it high up the ground and take marks. And KB alone is capable of doing that pretty much in the comp. And we like her mm. listing. Yeah, so I think that if they can nail down a forward grouping that means that she doesn't have to be the sole marking target up forward, which admittedly she Mm. didn't have to do last year when Courtney Wakefield was playing well, but she also wasn't in the team because she was injured. So she was clearly not healthy last year. I'm I'm kind of throwing that out and throwing it back to Moore in rounds one and round two of season six and then also having had a look at what she did in season five. When there's another tall forward, she can get up the ground and she can take marks and be a viable fantasy option and she will come in underpriced this year as a result. So I think that she, mm-hmm. as much as it's a potential loser, I think it's more that we lost an opportunity to get a slam dunk pick because there's now a glut of options to replace yeah. That's what I mean. Wakefield. Yeah, and I, I sort of see KB as a bit separate because I think one of Greiser or Jones, probably Greiser, will get that main forward role. So I think... Katie Brennan's role probably won't change a huge amount. If anything, it frees her up a little bit. She's probably the the one little shining light we can take out of the the glut of forwards that um, Richmond now has because we've got plenty of tall ones up there that they can kick to, meaning that Brennan can get through that midfield potentially. So the word of the day for this first podcast recording of the season is glut. Very good. That is the technical term for a group of forwards. It's a glut of forwards. Yes. Do you have any more gluts to talk about? Uh, I actually had a glut of options to talk about here as the biggest loser. I uh, didn't want to trample on anyone's toes. I think that there is definitely going to be a biggest loser in the Collingwood midfield. I think you could almost say Tani White is a potential biggest loser because she'll go from a number closer to a number one option. The one that I've chosen is... Oh, actually, I've buried the lead here. The biggest option, the biggest loser could potentially be Steph Wales at Essendon because it was looking like when Georgia Borge was dropped, she was going to be the number one ruck and she was going to be the sole option. We saw what Lucy did, or we saw what the other Wales sister did at Hawthorne. Yeah, when Tamara Luke went down. Mm. That looked like a great option. Yeah. But then, no, couldn't go an episode without talking about Leah Cutting. She is in. Oh. She's going to be priced at 35. So. Maybe she's the biggest loser. I've kind of taken an easy one here and just said that Steph Kiochi taking a step away and going from Collingwood where she was captain over to St Kilda, she had been a potentially like you know competent midfielder to bring in right at the back end of the year if you knew she had a good run. But 
I don't think she's going to come into a particularly good role on a wing at St Kilda, particularly if we're going to say anything. She has to play a whole bunch of games in the wing down at Moorabbin. I think that's not good for her scoring. I think it's like a 40s. It's a 15-point mm. drop on, 15, 20-point drop of what she did two years ago. So Chiachi's clearly been recruited for her leadership capabilities down at St Kilda and not the well, not that anyone I think gets recruited for their fantasy potential scoring, but but I think that um <laughs> wow <laughs> deep cut there, Will. Well, I don't know. I'm not a recruiter myself, so maybe they do. But I think I think that you're exactly right, Liam. Is that she's coming into that that St Kilda team to bring leadership, not necessarily a mountain of possessions. So her leadership will be far more important than a high high possession game style that she may have got at Collingwood. Yep. Speaking of Collingwood. Things are unknown now because we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, so where we were um, really structured and well-informed, making beautiful commentary, now we're going into the unknown. I've put Collingwood midfield. So kind of touched on a fair chunk of these bits before, uh, but Chloe Malloy, out. Uh, Seth Giocchi, out. Jamie Lambert, Jordan Membre, Abby Maloney. Like, I know these aren't all in the midfield, but we're essentially... Essentially, we've had a lot coming out of Collingwood midfield. Yeah, we've got Tiny White coming in. We've got the players that are coming back after injury. So you've got Bree Davey, who was out for most of season six and season seven. You've got Britt Benici, who was out in season seven. They're returning. You've also still got your Slicer, Imogen Evans. You've got Joe Lynn on the wing. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong again. Ash. Ash. Thank you. Ash Sheridan. So I'm thinking that I'm not sure how these new recruits, like a tiny white, say, or, you know, Grace Campbell as well, are going to fit in with the return of some of the club's best midfielders and how the club takes those takes those returns, how much they're tr- playing at full energy versus maybe not all of the games or lesser. I guess we've got somewhat of a Collingwood expert here to help me unpick this bit. Liam? With Will. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think one of the things about this is there's two absolute certainties, basically, which is the Davy and the Benici. And we've talked a lot about yep. them last season, and I'm sure we'll talk about them a lot in the new season. And that's kind of where you're right, Mel, is we know that that's going to be the crux of the midfield, but what's going to fit in around them? Because the two obvious ones were Lambert and Malloy. Mm-hmm. So I think there's going to be a fair bit of posturing in the Collingwood preseason to see who can fill those um, midfield spots. Tani White, as we said, is, a, is an obvious sort of one. Campbell's been recruited into there as well. But they've also got plenty of options to come in from other positions, as you say, with like players like Ash Sheridan. So I think you're right that it is a bit of an unknown. Oh, great. So you just you just reiterated my point that it's an unknown. <laughs> Yeah, that's why that's why I wanted to throw over to Liam. Okay, okay. I, I missed a name. You, you, you've all not talked about a name, and it's telling because I think that makes her a loser. And so we could have included her earlier. Name that player. New round. They Sarah Rowe. No, listen. Yeah, to, yeah. Let me finish the question. Listen to the question I haven't asked you. Okay. Yes, exactly. Jolene. She scored. Scores Wait, who? Of in season. In se- uh, you're going to have to tell me the name. Michaela Cam. Uh, yeah, well, okay, that doesn't... That doesn't <laughs> oh, let me finish what I said. She scored to start the year last season. 80, 74, 69, 86, and 80. Do you know what she scored last season when Bree Davey was out of... When Bree Davey and Britt Benici were in the side? Less than that. It was a 31. She is a prime candidate to lose midfield minutes to a Tani White. 
prime candidate to be pushed out to a wing, prime candidate to go to half forward and not have the CBAs. Like she's looked good as a fantasy player and was a viable pick to start last mm. year. If she was someone you traded into, I think she probably presented, you know, twenty points, maybe fifteen points of value. Yeah. So we're going from a yes, yes we can to a no we can't. No, we cannot. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think the I think another player in there is um, Tani Brown. They've been keen to throw in through that midfield as well. And th- this is kind of the point of the unknown is they've just got so many options that could go through there. It's going to be a, a real wait and watch, I think, for Collingwood. But mm. everyone's pretty much going to be picking Davian Benici. They're going to be cheap as chips and they're both proven scorers. So I think that from a fantasy perspective, yeah, pick pick the knowns, basically. Although, I, Will, Will, we had a chat. You think Britt Bonici could be on the wing, so maybe say we should all be picking Brie Davey. There's a possibility on Britt Bonici. The, re- the reason I say Britt Bonici could be on the wing is because she does her best work taking marks out on the wing. It's not that she necessarily plays a wing role. It's just she runs really hard and gets out on the wing and gets those disposals. One of the few players who I think is uh, a viable winger option, as you say, Liam. So I started saying although before because I was going to say I know they're knowns but we're watching them come back after injury. It's like we see people come back and not be at their best, at least in round one. And I'm, all, I'm sure we'll get into this when we're making Correct. our team. But like round one would be a bit risky. would rather watch. I think just to, to finish off and put a book in on this discussion, I think the one thing that works in their favour, not necessarily means it's a sure thing, is that it's been a very long lead into the season gives them time to build that fitness yeah so another big unknown ellie hampson and the ellie hampson size soul le- <laughs> she had her soul has left the suns but it's whole at the sun speaking speaking of that where is the soul in the suns? where is the soul of the suns yes well that's a that's another great question but that's a bit more metaphysical but we'll get to that on our random on our aflw fantasy theology podcast um well it's funny you say this because I was actually going to reference the ship of Theseus and get a bit get a bit deep. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, we're going to leave the the philosophy for a little bit. Liam, give us your Ellie Hampson rundown. I'm going to give you guys a narrative. We get to the beginning of the trade period. The biggest news to start off: Batesy is out of Brisbane. Mm-hmm. She's gone. Big big news. My immediately first uh, first thing I think is it's Bell Dawes' season. She was the fourth midfielder last fourth midfielder last year. She when she was up above seventy percent CBAs, she was a seventy five plus scorer. I'm just gonna quickly interject here. I can't believe we've gone this far into the episode and we haven't mentioned Batesy yet. Oh yeah. Goodness me. Like, this is we really are missing Jono on that one, I reckon, because he would have brought it up first minute. <laughs> it's because of where she went to. <laughs> I don't think we need to discuss Hawthorne, thank you very much. Yeah, fair. I'm okay with that. It's more that she's a known product and she's kind of going into a younger side. You know, maybe she has a bit of a Maddie Presbarkas type pop, but I think not that's from a fantasy for, perspective. That's for yes. down the road. These are for the yeah. These are for the big big discussion points. Bell doors bang. Go through the entire trade period. I'm out there on Twitter like it's Bell doors season. Here's my list of points on why she is the midfielder to own. Go mid-price madness for everybody, M1. Just going to jump in here again and say, this is genuine. Liam had basically written an essay on Baldors in our oh. rundown sheet prior to to this. And we were all we were all on board. Absolutely on board. She was like priced at 58. She was going to be a forward because she started at forward about 30 to 40% of the time. 
you know, when she wasn't get when she got above seventy percent CBA, she scored a seventy five and a ninety. Bang! Bell doors in my side. It was going to be the Abby Mackay of twenty twenty three. And then we get to the end of the trade period, and then there's just this tiny bit of news. Ellie Hampson has left the Suns to go to Brisbane. Now, Ellie Hampson is also someone who I, we have been frustrated by because she has an absurd amount of natural talent, and she might now fill that Batesy spot which means I can't launch into my Bell Doors season 2023. <laughs> I now have to be more guarded because Ellie Bates, like Ellie Bates, Ellie, Ellie Hampson Bates. could take that Ray. Ellie Hampson could take that role. Bell Doors could take that role. It could ultimately be Sophie Conway. And that was Will's point, which is Sophie Conway is also an option. Mm. She's done it before. I was going to take that and be like, I don't care. Bell Doors is the younger player. I'm happy with this. I've got strong... It's strong take season. It's the preseason. They don't matter. But... Yep. Go that, big or go that, home. It does, me, it does kind of raise the point of Brisbane aren't going to be an unknown this year just for that third midfield spot. They've got Ali Anderson. They've got Cathy Spark. They are also not a particularly young midfield. It's going to be a question of where is that potential youth going to come from? Are they going to turn to the more experienced option in Sophie Conway? Could it be, you know... And Orla O'Dwyer, who's kind of shown a massive amount of run-gun potential, maybe that's what they look to supplement the loss of Batesy. It is an unknown. But then we've got the flip side of this coin, which is the Suns and the fact that Ellie Hampson is no longer going to be there. They have no soul. They have. No, they do indeed have no soul. <laughs> Outside of, you know, a gun, former number one overall draft pick, and then also a 30-year-old who's played four seasons and has come into her best in the last two years in Ali Drennan. But that's by the by. The problem that we've got here is Ellie Hampson was part of a very tight midfield group. Outside of Brisbane, Geelong had the tightest group of CBAs of anybody. And it kind of really did show like rather stunningly because Ellie Hampson missed two games during the year, right? Where she didn't have any CBAs. They didn't spread them out amongst other players. They just picked one person otherwise and said, you, in the midfield, you're doing that role for one game and that's the only game you're doing it. So Anise Bradfield, in round two, had 64% CBAs. She had zero after that for the rest of the year. Then Lucy Single replaced her in round eight, had 69% CBAs and then none for the rest of the year. Hmm. What are they going to do? Who are they going to be? Because outside of... Robottom, Whitford, Drennan, and Hampson, there's no other midfielders really above 10%. And that's Lucy Single from her one game. Like, it's it's a massive unknown. We have no idea what's going to happen this year at, at the Gold Coast Suns. I love your passion, and I'm so sad people can't see this because you were literally arms out, exasperated. <laughs> at this unknown is so massive, I must visually. <laughs> this is basically being Liam for three fantasy seasons regarding Ellie Hampson. Yeah. It's basically every time Ellie Hampson oh, is mentioned, Liam gets exasperated. <laughs> I think um, basically what you're telling me, Liam, is that we just got to watch round one. Whichever random player is getting the CBAs to replace Hampson, pick them. It's bang, done. You just That's the trading target. You realise you've missed. Just pick a nobody at mid-price who you think is going to score a 50, and then your upgrade-downgrade is to whichever... You know, Lucy Single, who scores a 60, or the Anise Bradfield, who replaces Ellie Hampson. But more importantly, it's going to be, what do they say in the preseason? Like, who's in the midfield yeah. group? Really watching out for the AFLW content from Gold Coast Suns preseason, because that is a viable scoring role. 
I was thinking around some of the teams that have been gutted um, after this trade season, and I could be wrong, but like the Suns look like they've taken a real hit. So they had two retirees. Well, I guess did Crystal Scott play last season? I think she played a game or two. Yeah. Um, but Ashley Atkins. They had. Um, oh, why do I try to say these names? Fred Jewish. Progelli. Progelli. <laughs> wow. Really just <laughs> shining Jay myself Pagelli. in a great light. If you hadn't done Cody Jacks earlier, this would have been your worst. But... <laughs> hey, and then Scott, I spelt wrong on Instagram. So just names and yes. mail don't go together. Yeah. Progelli. Jade Progelli. Jade Progelli, yeah. yes. Then you got Tory Groves Little out, Dan Kurt delisted, um, and then you lose Courtney Jones, Ellie Hampson, and Serene Watson in the trade. That feels like a massive gutting of... Um, well, at least fantasy relevant talent, but also like the core, some of the core parts of their team. What are we thinking? Like, is this a bit of a ship of Theseus vibe? Just throw that one back in there. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the Suns are a final side. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think they've picked up some handy recruits to fill some of those, such as Jordan Membry, who's always been a very solid forward. Uh, Ella Maurer as well from North hasn't really had many yeah, she didn't play uh, much. opportunities. Yeah, played one game for North, so she'll yeah. she's possibly the one that will be, go straight in and get all those random CBAs. Mm. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yes, I think I think they've lost a fair bit of first team talent, which is going to take a bit of adjustment for yeah. them to to get into the season. Can I can I put my name up? I was very negative on the whole Suns vibe about you know two minutes ago. The one player that I do find interesting, given they were a high draft pick and a rising star nominee last season, or potentially the season four, Daisy Darcy. Mm. Does look mm. like a handy, clean yes. player with the ball. She's played on the wing and like a half back, back flank, but I could see her in the midfield. I have nothing else to go on on that. I have no inside source, but she interests me just from what I've seen from her on the field. Incorrect, Liam. We do have an inside source on that, which is Tara Bahana, I believe, in the interview said she was one of the most naturally talented players on the Suns list. Yes, but I've heard that. That's not an inside source <laughs> if we've then shared it with our podcast <laughs> It's still for an this, inside source. She's okay. from inside the club. She was one for of my very high-up choices at the end of getting into last season. Yes, I agree. She is a defender you could look at as a potential 10 to 15 point rise uh, in the upcoming season if you are looking for a mid-pricer. She's she is a very interesting option. And for everyone listening, if you've made it through this far, well done. Welcome back to the chaos. <laughs> I'm flagging now. We're going to talk a lot about mid prices this year because we're not going to have nearly as many rookie options playing every week, and particularly ones who are going to score well. There's not a Montana Ham priced rookie option unless you count Georgia Nanscorn, but. Mm. There's going to be a lot fewer options out there. Upgrade, downgrade season is going to look very, very different. Mm, We're going absolutely. to need to transition to kind of nailing mid prices, kind of hedging our bets. It's going to be a very different season this year. That's what I've used to kind of track who I think the most important, biggest winners and losers and unknowns are. It's in that mid price bracket that we're really going to need to see our movement. You're not going to be able to go guns and rooks. Mm, agreed. I actually had Bowers as what I was going to talk about for my biggest unknown, and I was like, no, no, let's just power free <laughs> episode. We, oh, we, please. You can't do that as well because last year we completely wrote her off, and then she ended up just doing what Bowers does. So, if, <sighs> if, yeah. I'm never questioning Kiara Bowers ever again. 
I'm not writing off, writing her off from starting in my side because we don't know prices, we don't know positions, etc., etc. She's going to be but expensive, and she's going to be mid. She's going to be damn expensive. <laughs> but what if she's a forward? Oh, <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs> I mean, unknown for obvious reasons, pocket, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, but the sleep, speaking of um, those mid-price options, I think that for me, my biggest unknown yeah. is where there will be a few mid-prices and the player that um, we talked about a lot about last year, but I'll get to that in a second. My unknown is the Adelaide forward line. And that Adelaide forward line has taken a couple of really big hits in the past couple of seasons. First, they lose arguably the greatest player to have played the game in Aaron Phillips mm-hmm. uh, to Port Adelaide. And this season... Also going to Port Adelaide is Ash Woodland. So basically their best two forwards across their club history have now moved to Crosstown rivals Port Adelaide. And this means that there's a lot of pressure on a few of their other forward line players to step up and kick those goals. Ash Woodland, of course, being a um, leading goal kicker two seasons ago. And for me, the one that a lot of this will sit on is the absurdly talented Danielle Ponter, who we talk about a lot. I think, Liam, you were really keen on her as an option last year. I wonder if she's now the mid-priced option to kick those goals this year. Um, and I'll throw it to you for that in a second. But the other two that I think that will probably need to step up to kick a few more goals is the Evergreen Chelsea Randall and possibly Caitlin Gould as well, who played a little bit up forward last season. They'll probably play a little bit more up front this season with uh, Adelaide recruiting the other Allen sister, Jess, to, in to play Ruck. Hmm. I have a question on Ponter. She only played... Uh, six or seven games last season. Do you reckon she's going to be coming in discounted because of that, making her an even more attractive option? Unlikely. You've got to play less than five to get the discount. Oh, less than five. Never mind me then. Yeah. The other unfortunate thing for uh, Danielle Ponter is she had some absolute stinker scores in the final series, which means she doesn't even get the the benefit of those being in her scores for the season. Yeah. But we we did see that she has huge potential to score in that she's kicked, scored scores of uh, a 74, 68 last year, 79. But there's a lot of little lower scores mixed in there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to. I watched Daniel Ponta because as much as I didn't have her in my classic side, I we had a draft, little draft league going on, and I had Daniel Ponta. And, you know, that game against St Kilda was electric to watch. She had 30% CBAs. If she has a 30 to 40% CBA role... Wow, that's a that's another great option. She'll come in right. priced at, you know, mid forties. There's some potential upside there. I'm not sure if she has as much upside as, say, an L Roberts, which is kind of going to be in a similarish price bracket. A Hannah Ewings, if she's named as a forward, but it's one to keep an eye on. The other thing that you could probably talk about as a potential forward option is Montana McKinnon, who rolled mm-hmm. with a dual ruck setup of McKinnon and, um, Gould, uh, Caitlin Gould. And then you obviously mentioned Allen. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of an unknown. They have shown an ability to kind of pull goals from anywhere. They've had button kick goals. They've had Hatchard, Marinoff all hit the scoreboard. Yeah. Chelsea Randall was ridiculous. But Eloise Jones as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, the one, the player that I did mention who we talk about cheap options, Jess Allen, if she's named to play in the ruck, could be one of the very few... Uh, very low-priced players, but it, we, it's always the rucks that we seem to find these ones because Tam Luke will be cheap again. Mm. We need her to be listed as a defender or something like that, I think. I feel like I actually got the, the benefit that we always try to achieve out of Randall last year, which makes me sceptical. Uh, she's probably going to go back down the other way, I imagine, this season. 
like I was just double checking my season seven and I brought her in with a price out of 70 in round three, traded her out a few rounds later with a price out of 79. Perfect. And I only traded her out because I desperately needed money. But that kind of like <laughs> 10 point increase over a season or half season is exactly what we looked for. Like she was such a classical example of that happening. Okay. So we've done our winners, our predicted winners. We've done our predicted losers. We've discussed all the stuff that we don't know. <laughs> Rapid fire time. What 60 seconds to talk about a topic that we haven't yet discussed? I'm going to start. We actually have somewhat discussed Anise. Anise. Anise? Anise Bradfield. Anise. Got it right. Um, we mentioned her briefly, but as a mid-GWS, uh, they've had, GWS has had a couple of big losses recently. Um, Forrest Daunton, amazing footballer, um, retiring. Tanya Hetherington, also retiring. Ridstack. I'm thinking that there's big potential for Anise Bradford, who's come in from Gold Coast in the supplementary draft, to be underpriced. She's only played three games last season, I believe. Um, as Lee mentioned so kindly earlier, she had 64% of the CBAs in round two, the only round that she had any CBAs. But I reckon that she's uh, potential to pick up some of the scoring left behind by those other players. Although I do have a question mark here. Um, Beck Beeson, question mark? I don't know what exactly I'm asking, but I feel like I've heard her name before. Yeah. The, the question with Beck Beeson is, does she return? Because yeah. she was one that I spent a lot of preseason pumping up because I thought she's an excellent midfielder. The problem is she then suffered from concussion symptoms and missed the whole rest of the season again. So is she back and how does that skew my... Yeah. So basically, we don't know yet. <laughs> and this is going to be almost the same story as last season, which is if Beck Beeson comes in... She'll be a great mid-pricer. We know she can average up around the 80 mark. But if she's still suffering from concussion symptoms or if she does have another injury problem, then we may not see her yet again, which would be a real shame for the game because mm. she is a, an excellent player. Um, if Beeson does make her way back onto the field this season, it may limit Bradfield's ability to get into that midfield with um, Elise Parker, of course, being the main oh, player in there. But if Beeson isn't in there... I think Bradfield, Bradfield definitely becomes a, a very viable option. And even if she's not a long-termer, I'm hoping that Bradfield can come in quite underpriced and at least make some money from rounds like one to three or four. What do you reckon, Liam? Um, I don't know if I want to go anywhere near GWS. I think they're going... <laughs> well, actually, no, that's a bit too strong. Uh, GWS have so many potential holes. I can't rule in or out an East Bradfield. Okay. That's fair. fair. To me, I think I actually think not trade related, but I think one of the the most interesting options for them is actually Izzy Huntington coming back from the the knee injury. Yes. Given their their forward line and back line losses, it it's almost makes it hard to see where she's going to play. I had her as a question mark as well because I guess if we didn't have any updates on those, I didn't know if my information was just old. If we don't know Beck Beeson's back, yeah, no, Izzy Huntington's back, don't know. Um, it really makes my Anise Bradfield shout-out weaker, um, but also kind of moves GWS <laughs> as a whole up into the unknown buckets. So. Just I, I I would be pretty strong on the idea that Izzy Huntington will be a forward now that Corus Dalton has retired. I think that's going to be a fascinating forward forward line of marking targets. Her George Garnett, they looked. George Garnett was like one mm. of the biggest improvers last year. Setting aside fantasy, she looked incredible. I also think they have a really good young defender, Tani Evans. I think as much as I was negative on GWS about 45 seconds ago, I think those are the options of players that I want to talk about. Get on the GWS train. 
There's a big, big sound from the west of the town. <laughs> I, I don't really want to do a lot, but these are just like little, uh, my little alcove of ones that yep. I do like. So, Liam, hit us with your rapid fire. Yeah, rapid fire. Harriet Cordner. I talked about Lucy McAvoy. She's leaving a mid-50-sized hole. Is an intercept defender at Carlton. In comes former 54 averaging All-Australian leading the marks in, leading the AFLW in intercept marks in season five, Harriet Cordner. I think that if she is healthy from her knee injury that she had to begin 2022 and can lock down a best 22 role, there are a lot of issues at Carlton around their experience. I think she fills that role perfectly. She is well in line to increase. She'll be priced at in the low 30s. Mm. Bang. Very low. Like, I think that should be a rate option if she if she plays. I know I sound like Will by saying this, by naming <laughs> someone as an option who's over 30 and who hasn't played in two years, and I'm going off their old role, but I've done my research here. I think Harriet Corden is an option. Sounds good. Will? Well, I'm glad you say that, Liam, because I am also picking a 31-year-old for my player. <laughs> uh, the, the player I'm picking, and this is a, a little bit of uh, Geelong bias here, but I, I'm, I've gone for Kate Sermon. Didn't really look the player that she was at the Gold Coast during her years at Port Adelaide, or her season at Port Adelaide, rather. Um, <laughs> six months at Port Adelaide. Um, but she'll likely have forward status and should form part of that midfield rotations. We know that Geelong does have a very, a lot of players that do run through that midfield and she will likely be part of that. She's joining a team that is looking for experience and I think she's probably a more natural fit for the role that they're going to put her in than some of the other players they've put through there. So as a, a mid-priced option, she averaged just under 50 last season but averaged as much as 64 at the Gold Coast. So I think she could be a decent mid-priced option. I'm, I'm going to give my little flag here. Which country? There are some names. Oh, it is like Morocco levels of red. There's almost no green. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you heard my comment. <laughs> That's so good. Got to get the flag chat going, guys. It's I'd early days. About, but I'd forgotten flag about chat. flag chat. Uh, There's a bit of, bit of Spain about this one. A fair bit of yellow and <laughs> some red. <laughs> it's not good, Will. Uh, Geelong's, unfortunately for you, Geelong's CBA rotation was tight. Nina Morrison wasn't making CBAs after round seven. She had 8%, 33%, 9%. And then in the final, lost to North Melbourne, where admittedly there wasn't many goals, but it was 100% midfield time for AMAC, Georgie Prasparkas, Liv Fuller, and Beck Webster. It is a tight midfield group to break. Now, if there's an injury or we hear word that for whatever reason Sermon is the experience they might want, I think that's a great option. We've kind of seen her score well. We need that from our forwards. But just flagging now, that is a tight midfield group to end last year. I think for me, the thing that actually makes it more appealing for me as an option is more that Geelong have been playing a lot of midfielders off that half-forward line and she is a more natural at it. Mm. So I think that she's probably a, a better shout at that role, plus going in as a forward rather than being a midfielder, such as a Morrison, for example. So you wouldn't pick Nina Morrison as a fantasy option if she was playing that half-forward role, for example. Yeah. I think Sermon does have the advantage of having the experience in that role, which potentially makes her a viable option. Maybe not necessarily a, a standout option, but I think there is definitely potential value there. So, uh, good rapid fire, guys. That was nice and quick. I don't think any of those were 60 Absolutely seconds. Absolutely flew by so fast. <laughs> what can I say? We just love chatting about YFRW players. So, what's next from us? We've got 
it's still pre-season. We're still figuring out a little bit what we're going to do. Um, but hoping to have an Irish draft uh, review episode coming soon. Hoping to have some kind of uh, supplementary draft review episode coming soon. But then as we get closer to pre-season, highly likely going to be doing another team whip around. Unsure if it'll be 18 clubs in 18 days. Might just be some clubs in yeah. some days. Uh, but stay tuned. Yeah, it'd be good to re- redo the 18 clubs, but that was uh, quite an undertaking. So we'll see how we go. I think I think you can expect pre-season content for all the clubs from us in some form. I yeah. think that's the best way of, of saying it. And then you'll probably get some content from us about the most relevant fantasy options as we have prices and as we have positions as we get closer to the season. Yeah, so essentially lots coming up. So thanks for listening to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. If you want to uh, read about what we've been doing, read some of our Instagram content, or start getting Liam's fantastic opinions on uh, outdated opinions on Bella Dawes, oh. you can check us out on <laughs> Insta and Oof. Twitter. <laughs> That's a drive-by on the way out. <laughs> uh, so we are <laughs> Free Kick W Pod on Insta and Twitter. And as I mentioned earlier, we would love any feedback in terms of what else should we do in pre-season, what did you, didn't you like about how we did during the season, any, anything, or just have a chat, what, what players you want to hear us talk about. So please reach out to us on either of those two. I am Hi Melody on Insta, which I am definitely on more so at the moment, but I'll be easing my way back into Twitter uh, as the season picks up, which is also Hi Melody. Liam, you've had a bit of a rebrand. I have had a little bit of a rebrand on Twitter. Uh, it began to realise that it was a little bit hard to identify who I was. So you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. And Will, also a rebrand. A uh, slight rebrand. Uh, I'm still going by WillH underscore VI on the Instagram, but I now have that as my Twitter handle as well. Much more so, much like you, Mel, I'm much more active on the the Instagrams, but I will be trying to be more active on Twitter as the season progresses. Are you implying that La, La Nina Effect FKW was not a pity Twitter handle? No, it was not. I thought it was great, but apparently the feedback wasn't positive so, <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna just make uh, you know i'm going for consistency here i'm not i thought it the problem is i couldn't change i couldn't change my instagram to lenina effect fkw so i changed my twitter to will h underscore vi so making it easier for the listeners. exactly exactly well this has been great love having the pod back together and i will chat to you guys later very good see everyone Bye. see everyone So, oh, any other comments on this? Nope, but no. we're going to get re-excited, Mel. You sounded almost just like, oh, so <laughs> yeah, I'm well, ready to be it. done. See you later. <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> Off we go. <laughs> well, bye. <laughs> um, <laughs>